Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where tour players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every week as he talks with the greats of the game. You are the smartest guy I've spoken to on radio or television in my career. And Chris, again, you are, you're knocking out of the park. You're like eight under par in this interview. By having any research, I'm hiring your tail to be the research man. You're the best. You're a fantastic host and tremendously respected in the golf community. Yeah, Chris, you do an amazing job and your listeners are super lucky to have you and it's always my pleasure. Chris Mascaro is the king of the golf podcast. Don't miss him on Tuesdays. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and welcome to Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and what a great week this is. I'm going to be back on the grounds of Augusta National this week for the Women's Amateur Tournament. I get to feel badly about myself as I watch those young ladies blast the ball off the tee way past where I could hit it, but I marvel at their talent, and it's really a fun event to go see. Highly recommend it. Plus, it's at Augusta National, which you guys know is my favorite place on the planet. I also remain excited that the show is a finalist for the second year in a row for Best Golf Podcast at the Sports Podcast Awards. Huge shout out to my guests for getting the show this far. Now I need your help to get the show over the finish line. I'd really appreciate your support by going online to sportspodcastgroup.com and then click on the awards tab and then vote. You'll see all the categories available for you to vote on right there, including Best Golf Podcast. I know there's some steps involved here, but they're trying to keep bots from being able to vote. But like I say, I'd really appreciate your votes and your support. They both mean a great deal to me. Okay, on to tonight's show, and what a great lineup I have for you again this week. We're going to kick things off with a four-time winner on the PGA Tour and one of the best ball strikers of all time, and that's Tim Simpson. Next after Tim is going to be the first female president of the PGA of America, Susie Whaley. We'll be back looking forward to catching up with Susie. Following her will be another former tour player and one of the all-time great broadcasters now, and that's Frank Nabilo. And then we're going to round things out with the director of golf at the Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and True Blue Golf Club up in Myrtle Beach, Bart Romano. It's a tremendous foursome. It's going to be a lot of fun over the next 90 minutes, folks. So thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. I want to start things off by reminding you about the Macklemore. It's a private resort located just south of Chattanooga, high atop Lookout Mountain, Georgia. It's a casual two-hour drive from Atlanta, Nashville, and Birmingham. The existing Highlands course is now ranked in the top 100 courses you can play in the United States by Golf Digest. The 18th hole is ranked in the top 10 finishing holes in the world. A second course, the Outpost, is now under construction and will open summer of 2024. That outpost is another Bill Bergen, Reese Jones designed and features a mile and a half of dramatic cliff edge, which every inch of that cliff edge is filled up with a golf hole. They've got a world-class hotel, Cloudland Lookout Mountain Curio Collection by Hilton, will open spring of 2024. Both have incredible views into historic McLemore Cove, 1,200 feet below. You gotta see it to believe it, folks. Stay, dine, and play golf above the clouds at Macklemore. Go online to macklemore.com to book your stay and play package today. 
I also want to remind you about the all-new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things we all want. Distance, and let's not forget, forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the Stealth 2 driver with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. To learn more about the new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade, visit TaylorMadeGolf.com. Okay, now back in making his eighth appearance with me here on the show is one of the all-time great ball strikers and one of my all-time favorite guests, and that's Tim Simpson. Tim is from right here in Atlanta, Georgia, played his college golf at the University of Georgia, where he lettered in 1975 and 76. During his time there, Tim was named All-SEC, All-American, and a college All-Star. Tim won the Southern Amateur in 1976, and he turned pro in 77. He won four times on the PGA Tour at the 1985 Southern Open, the 1989 USF&G Classic, and back-to-back years at the Walt Disney World Oldsmobile Open in 89 and 90. He also won the Georgia Open five times in the Casserole World Championship over in France. He was named the PGA Tour Comeback Player of the Year in 1989. He had two top 10 finishes in majors, both coming in 1990 at the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. That year, he was named the Georgia Professional Athlete of the Year. In 2004, he was inducted into the State of Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. In 2006, he was inducted into the Georgia State Golf Association Hall of Fame and named Comeback Player of the Year on the Champions Tour. Over the course of his PGA and Champions Tour career, he had 82 top 10 finishes and 202 top 25s. And like I say, he's one of my all-time favorite guests, and I'm honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Timbo, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. It's so good to hear from you again, Chris. Tim, catch us up. I know the last time we talked to you, you were starting to feel a little bit better. How are you feeling? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm feeling really good overall. Um, having, having a little current back issue, kind of out of the clear blue the last three or four days. But I had a crazy thing happen, Chris. Back on December 3rd, I was driving to South Georgia. And, um, and I had a TIA, I had a mini stroke and, uh, I tell you what, it was scary. Um, Uh, yeah. And, and I don't, you know, they can't do a brain scan or anything. Nothing, nothing will show up like a major stroke that causes permanent, you know, a permanent brain injury, but, um, you know, all, all things lead to a TIA. You know, I felt like I had vertigo when I went to get out of the, the vehicle. You know, my legs didn't want to support me. Extremely difficult to walk. Speech was slurred. And then within an hour, uh, I arrived at my friend's house, spent three three hours with him, and was totally normal. Got back in the car, got almost back to Lake Oconee uh, from Albany, and it happened again. And uh, so anyway, it was kind of scary, but, you know, Everything went back to normal real quick. And um, the good news is uh, starting uh, about that time or before that, I started hitting balls. My back has gotten better and better. Uh, I've been taking collagen, ironically, and it's the first supplement I've ever taken in my life where I truly feel a difference. Uh, It's really amazing. And um, I don't know what's going on the last few days other than I I think I slept wrong, just got a crick in my neck. but. But anyway, um, I, I found out that I can't turn as well as I used to at almost <laughs> at almost 67 and having a little belly. 
And uh, the other thing is I have lost a bunch of this. Good gracious. You know, but, uh, you know, basically it's I've played 10 or 12 rounds in 12 years since I had career ending injuries on the champions tour. So, you know, going from 55 to almost 67, you know, that's, you know, I'm going to be needing a daggum cane or a walker here before too long. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then I got to tell you, I, uh, I've gotten involved with something incredible, uh, through my friend, Bob Rotella, as you know, I've worked with Bob 40 years. This is my 40th year. Started with him in 1983. He's one of his first two clients on the PGA tour. And, and, um, Chris, um, I was having some issues with my archery. It's called target panic. It's similar to the yips in golf. And <clears throat> most top archers fight it. Olympians, everybody. It, it's spooky. I mean, you feel helpless. And I was talking to Bob about it. And I'm like, Bob, you know, you've told me that you've told hundreds and hundreds of people that nobody knows your stuff better than me, but it, it ain't working. So he said, well, just keep downplaying the importance, keep having fun, this and that. A couple of days later, he called me, he said, Tim, I met this guy, great guy named John McGuire. And he's got a company called uh, Serafit. And he said, I'm going to put him, put you on speaker. And John couldn't have been nicer. And he said, Tim, I can help you. I'll guarantee I can help you. Well, then I'm all ears. And John, uh, Serafit is an astounding company, uh, to, to do with what they do with the mind. The parent company is Zing Performance out of Europe. I believe they're based in England. Um, Zing Performance specializes in working with people, uh, with PTSD, with any anxiety issues. Uh, being at something tragic that happened in their life or whatever. And, and they're getting amazing results with children with ADD. And Seraphit is a sports division, um, of, of Zing performance. And basically, uh, it helps create the neuroplasticity in the cerebellum, the base of your brain. And it enables athletes as well as people, uh, you know, regular, regular old people that are struggling with anxiety to uh to perform automatically and at their highest level and i've been doing it for about five weeks i'm not paid there's there's nothing no incentive here it's i just wanted to share it because i know it can help people uh there's guys on the pga tour doing it there's a whole lot of other athletes worldwide that are doing it and i just thought you would find it interesting yeah i do so give me a little more on that tim so through the through Zinc Performance and the, and the work you're doing with John McGuire, and then I, I'm guessing in conjunction with Dr. Rotella, how is it helping you? What Going through the yips is obviously something that none of us want to talk about. We don't even like to say the Y word in golf. I can't imagine what it's like going through it in archery, but how is it helping you? Is it Does it keep you calmer? Does it help you focus? What does it do? Well, it, it, it does, and it's, it's really amazing. Um, as far as my dog just came in here, he's growling at a deer outside. So I hope he doesn't interrupt us. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, you you do, in Seraphit, you do a number of exercises. And I don't mean exercises like running and lifting weights and stuff, but it's more like balance exercises, a lot of eye tracking, a lot of movement of, you know, moving your right arm in circles forward, your left arm backwards. You're just working 
working the brain. And um, it's it's just amazing. And then Zing Performance, um, I deal with a, a, a professional in England named Gail. And she, I mean, it's cool. It is cool. And it's a lot more visualization stuff, um, you know, which Bob taught me that many, many years ago. And, and it works as well. But I tell you how successful it is. Uh, there's two things in the world that I know that I'm scared of. One's an MRI machine. If you've ever had one, you know, it's pretty claustrophobic. And the other thing is snakes. I don't make any bones about it. I'm afraid of snakes. I don't like them. And the crazy thing is, is she would have me visualize them as I was doing my breathing exercises and this and that. And then um, a part of a part of it is called S-E-M-D-R. Don't ask me what that stands for. But that's what you're doing when you're doing these exercises and you're moving your eyes back and forth with your eyes closed, similar to the REM stage of sleep when you're dreaming Mm -hmm. and you focus on what gives you that anxiety and it blew her away. Within two seconds, it was gone. Boom, like that. And now I'm to the point after several weeks of working with her, I can't even conjure those up anymore. Really? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's 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 just amazing. And um, I, I was telling Gail, I guess the proof's going to be in the pudding the first time I walk up on a snake in the woods, you know. But but as of now, when I try to envision it, you know, and and most most athletes, you know, especially at the professional level, you know, are doing visualization. If they're not, they're getting beat by those that are. And the Koreans have been huge into it for years. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing great benefits. And, um, John is a super good guy. He knows his stuff inside and out. And he's got a, he's just put together a great team and he can explain more to you. I, w- I want to hook you two guys up and, uh, let you get some more info because I think it's going to intrigue and your followers. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder if it'll help me, you know, w- when I get in a bunker. Can it get rid of the anxiety of, of getting in a bunker? Because if so, I'm, I'm all in. Well, there's there's so many things, if you think about it, that trigger anxiety, you know, in our lives. It could be maybe that, you know, you or I have put on 20 or 30 pounds, you know, in the last 20 years. Or women are certainly very self-conscious about their looks, you know. And, and I'm telling you what. It's it's amazing what it's doing for me, and I know it'll help many many other people. Um, it, yeah. And they are worldwide. It just happens to be that Seraphit is a sport division of Zing Performance. So I have a once a week hourly Zoom call uh, with Gail, my professional, and uh, we do a lot of visualization and talking and things that trigger me in certain situations and. Let me let me just give you an off the off the uh, cuff thing. Uh, It's been 30, 30 years this year since I led the U.S. Open at Medina. Set the course record was the first player to ever get to nine under par in in USGA history in the Open. And um, felt like I blew it. I missed seven putts under four feet the last two rounds to finish. I think it was fourth, fourth or fifth. But anyway. Uh, you know, it, it's something I'll remember, unfortunately, till the day I die. And you know what? I, it's amazing. It makes that go away when I think about it. 
when I try to create that anxiety and frustration I was having, missing shortcuts and watching myself hand away, you know, one of the biggest tournaments in the world. Um, I mean, it's amazing what it, what it does. Um, I mean, people with PTSD that have experienced things that you and I can't fathom in the war zone, you know, they're having dramatic positive results with it. So uh, I'm really excited about it. And, and I like sharing stuff. You know, yeah, you know, uh, you know I've, I've been blessed to make a living at, at a game that I love. And I'm at the point in my life where I enjoy giving back. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story. That's fantastic stuff. And I, uh, I hope you will. Let's let, let's get hooked up with that, and uh, we'll bring him on the show and and talk about it in, in in further depth. I think it could help a lot of people. Like I say, it could help me with my bunker play. So I'm looking forward yeah. to having him here. Yeah, and you just download the app. It's very affordable, and and you just you know you do your daily exercises, and they're about ten minutes long. Um, it's I try to do them right after I have my coffee in the morning before I get busy and don't want to put it off till later in the day. And, uh, it's pretty cool. I'm excited about it. You know, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm more excited about that than I am the distance loss. In my <laughs> 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 Let, let's switch gears. Let's talk about that for a minute though. Okay. Right. Every, the, the news of the day, right. Everyone is talking about, you know, rolling the golf ball back and, you know, if that's a good idea or a bad idea. And I want to get your thoughts on that for in a second, but. When when I was looking up some of your stats from when you were on tour, you know, back in the late seventies, uh, early eighties, they had you at about two hundred and sixty three yards as your average driving distance. Yep. I'm guessing you're probably still hitting it two sixty three with your driver and 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 the golf ball nowadays. Oh, I can hit it three hundred, no problem. I just got to hit it twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I tell Bubba Watson every time I see him at the Bulldog Golf Day. I'm like, Bubba, I still hit it farther. I just got to hit it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was just average, as you know. I was known for my great accuracy. Um, but you know that in those years, you know, when I was, I think Tom Percher led the tour at two seventy seven. Uh, Norman led it several years later at two eighty four. So you know, in nineteen ninety, thirty three years ago. They came to the TPC. I'm sorry. They is Golf Digest and USGA and Golf Digest. And they asked all 150 of us, top 150 players in the world, uh, to hit some balls, you know. And, um, and the average club head on speed, uh, club head speed on tour in 1990 was 111. As of last year, according to the data I get from the PGA Tour and the USGA, the average club head speed on tour was 112. Now, I'm certainly not going to argue the fact that the kids are more fit today. They're all training. You know, they've all got, you know, they're in the gym lifting and everything every day. They got nutritionists. I mean, you don't you don't see any chubby, out-of-shape guys out there, and they're not going out drinking beer at night, I promise you. But the, bot- but the bottom line is, as you know, is one degree of loss usually equates to three yards. A one degree stronger, you'll hit it three three yards farther, say with an iron. And it's the same with mile per hour. For every mile an hour, it's about three yards of distance. So you tell me how they're hitting it 70 yards farther than we did. And it's, it's I mean, you know what the answer is. The ball is 
like it's so hot. It's crazy. It's like a Super Bowl. If you remember when we were young, I know you're younger than me, but the Super Bowl, you drop it at your waist and it mounts over your head. That's what the golf ball is. And I had lunch up the Bulldog Golf Day last fall with Billy Cratcher, you know, who announces with Golf Channel. And he had just finished the uh, tour championship at East Lake. And we were talking about Rory, Rory McElroy put on, I think it 25 or 26 yards of driving distance since his rookie year. And I don't care how much time you're spending in the gym or what you can bench press. That just doesn't add up. I mean, that's like 200 miles an hour in a car. And um, he was telling me, he said, Tim, I'm telling you, the golf ball today is so crazy hot. He said it makes the balls you and I played 30 years ago look like a wiffle ball. And, you know, to me, it's like I'm not taking anything away from the player. But you take smallish guys, smaller guys like Justin Thomas or Ricky Fowler, you know, that are, you know, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, tops. Now you tell me how they're hitting at 325, 330. It, it, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't make any sense. And from the time I was 15 years old until the day I retired from the Champions Tour, my seven iron, my normal seven iron was 155 yards. Now, I'm sitting there watching them on TV, and here's Justin Thomas that comes up to my nose, you know, hitting a seven iron from 200. And I'm like, something is not right here. And I don't, if I can't understand it as a, you know, long-time PGA Tour player, how the heck can amateurs understand? Right. You know, and um, it, the numbers just don't add up. If they're swinging at one or two miles, say two miles an hour faster than we did in 1990, they'd hit it six yards farther, not 70, not 60. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, and when you look at a player's driving average, I was looking at uh, Cameron Champ had the longest driving average on tour last year at 321.6. And what people don't understand is you got to hit a, you got to hit a bunch of drives, 350 and 60 to keep that average up because you're going to hit some bad drives. You're going to play in places like Pebble Beach where the ball plugs from the rain and the soft fairways. You know, you get at sea level, you know, the ball doesn't carry as far like at San Diego and Pebble Beach, Riviera. LA Open, you know, it just doesn't carry as far. And I mean, to me, that's just crazy. You're talking about par forward distance. You know, right. it's, it's nuts. I agree. You know? But the irons are so strong. And I'm, I've been club testing um, for about six weeks. I got to get some more tech, some, some modern technology in the bag because I've lost so much distance. And what they've done, I think, pre COVID. Uh, probably five, six years ago when the golf industry was kind of dying on the vine. Um, I, I think that a CEO or a president one day was talking to an engineer and he's like, well, what are we going to do? You know, we're, I mean, club sales are nil. And I think an engineer said, well, let's do the same thing with the irons we did with the driver and the fairway wood. And that's what you've seen happen. You know, the drivers are like, you know, three piece. I mean, the irons, excuse me, are like three piece construction. You know, they're hollowing out behind the the uh, the face of the club and taking that weight, lowering the center of gravity, bending them stronger. And so 
they just go they just go crazy far. The new Callaway Paradigm um, seven iron is twenty nine degrees. The Paradigm X is twenty seven point five. That's my five iron. You know, you so if if you if you just took your seven iron, if you just have a, a normal players club, they call them. You know the uh, the ones that aren't jack stronger. And if you and, and if I bend it two degrees stronger front for you, you're not going to hit it farther. You're just going to hit it lower. So the key is, as you know, is they've taken that weight out from behind the face. They squirt and they're squirting foam in there, and then they put all that weight low in the club. And then, oh by the way, the shaft technology is crazy now. And the, you get put a low kick shaft in there. It shoots it up in the air, and all of a sudden, you know. You're hitting a daggum wedge 150 yards. You know, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's crazy. But if you go on YouTube, I watch a lot of YouTube, you know, watch it, you know, this club test and this club versus that club and everything. You know, they're all 25, 30 year old guys that are hitting seven irons 185 in the air, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, how come you don't have any 66 year olds testing on there? You know? <laughs> Oh, Tim, I, I had Hal Sutton on the show a couple of weeks ago, and Hal said when you guys played, hitting the ball straight used to mean something. You know, Scotty Scheffler's talked in, in the past week about how on 13 at Augusta National, he used to hit three wood because he could spin it, you know, he could hook it and spin it around the corner. And now with the driver and, and the golf ball, you can't spin, the, spin it off the driver to get it around the corner. So to no. me, that's that's another thing about the ball and the equipment is you guys. I mean, with the Balata ball, boy, that thing was spinning out of out of control, hitting it straight. Like Hal said, that used to mean something. To be able to hit that ball, hit a Balata straight, that used to be a skill. Absolutely, and and Hal's a good friend. I, I love Hal to death. He was a great ball striker as well. I mean, when he and I played together, we gave the gallery something to cheer about usually. Um, and Hal is 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 it's 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 just totally accurate what he told you and what I'm telling you. It's like, you know, the, the, it, when dad told me when I was growing up, dad would say, he'd say, now son, from the seven iron on down, meaning seven iron to the sandwich, he said, you're not trying to hit them hard. You're trying to hit them close inside five feet. And, and that's the way I've always played. And I was notoriously short with my irons. I was famous for messing guys up that peeked in my bag to see what club I had on, say, a par, par three, which is totally legal, you know. And, um, and and I look in your bag. You look in mine if I'm undecided. But um, it, it, it just – I just don't understand trying to hit a seven iron like you're in a long drive competition. I, I just really don't. And, you know, I live on, on the golf course here, and, you know – I look out the back and I'm looking at guys my age and older and it hurts my back watching them swing. You know, it's like, Oh my God, they're doing everything but falling down, trying to kill it. You know, whereas Hal in my generation, you know, Nicholas and uh, I mean, it was just Tom Watson, Trevino. It, it was about ball control. Now it's uh, I forget the, the term that they're using now. Scotty Scheffler used it. It, it's called bomb, something like bomb and gouge. That's right. Bomb the, bomb the driver and then gouge the sand wedge or pitching wedge. 
and and the 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 stats are really overwhelmingly showing that the top 20 players are pretty much all bombers that there's a dramatic there's a dramatic advantage if you're significantly longer than me and all things considered on number 4 you're hitting a 7 or an 8 iron in and I'm hitting a pitching wedge the numbers and the data just shows that you're going to hit the pitching wedge exponentially closer. Right. You know, but do, do I think the game's gone in the wrong direction? Yes. Do I think they should have listened to the GOAT, to Jack Nicholas years ago? I mean, he was talking about this 35 years ago. And they wouldn't listen to him, you know, and, and they love the ratings. But I just don't know how amateurs can associate with guys hitting 350-yard drives. Right. I can't. I can't. I, I sure can. Part of that is the loss to me of shot making. I mean, you guys had to carve it in, you know, around a dog leg, around a tree, whatever. And now to your point about the bomb and gouge, you know, I can bomb it out there. And then if I do happen to get it into the rough, I can just gouge it out with a wedge. You can, to your point, I can get it significantly, significantly closer. But part of the the game of golf to me was, the skill of being able to hit different kinds of shots because you had to, you had to be able to hook it around a dog leg. You had to hit it high over a tree. You had to do that sort of stuff. That was sort of the art of the game. And I feel like we've lost that. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, Chris. And, and I tell you what, it shows when they go to, for instance, colonial every year in Fort Worth, they got 150, 200 year old oak trees. And these young gorillas can't hit it over the top of them. And they don't like having to draw it and fade it. And they're not great at it either. And because the clubs, the balls now are, they've taken so much spin off of them, as you're alluding, um, like with the drivers, as you know, everything is about launch it high and the ball is knuckling like a knuckleball in baseball. And so it hits the ground and you know, Joe, average tour player, may be carrying it 285, but it runs out 320 because the fairways are firm and and the balls are just rolling crazy. But they've done the same thing. What I was explaining earlier with the irons is they did with the driver. They got these damn trampoline faces, you know, the, the spring faces, and um, the ball just jumps off of Um. I don't know. It's I, I think we've gone in the wrong direction. And um to to be honest, it's it's antiquating the some of the greatest courses on earth, Chris. Um let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, I wanted to get your thought because I know we have the Masters coming up, but right after that we have the PGA championship in May played it at Oak Hill. It hosted the PGA in 1980 and the U.S. Open in 89. You played in both of those events. Talk yeah, about played, Oak Hill. Yeah, I played Oak Hill in the Champions Tour. Um, oh, it's a fantastic course. You're talking about Oak Hill and Rochester, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, fantastic golf course. But, you know, the to me, the crying shame of this is you take the greatest courses on earth, especially here in the United States, where um, they're landbound. Now, why are they landbound? Because a golf course property is like a picture frame. 
and you and I build a golf course, yeah, we can tell everybody we just need a great course in our town. But the truth of the matter is, is we're going to make millions off the dirt that frames this golf course. So you get into an issue of where, how can we back this tee up? We can't put it in Chris Mascaro's living room. His house <laughs> is sitting there, you know. And the uh, the 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 obvious and and it's just making some of the greatest courses on earth obsolete. You know, courses. I mean, poor Donald Ross and McKenzie and these greatest designers ever. They're going to be rolling over in their graves. You know, they were hitting a dadgum mashy into these club into these par fours and guys are driving it on the front of the green (laughs) you know and and i I just i think they've gone in the wrong direction totally and they've got to get a hold of it now i will say this you know darn good and well it doesn't matter if they shorten the golf ball 40 yards if you're a long hitter you still have an advantage right isn't and that's and that's kind of where i'm getting lost in in this whole argument is it the right thing to do the wrong thing to do i mean First of all, it's all relative, right? I mean, if if the way they're testing the golf ball and all that sort of stuff is going to mean 14 to 15 yards shorter, everybody's going to be 14 to 15 yards shorter. So it's still all relative to where the game is today. And I think Michael Wan said this the other day on Michael Breed show. I mean, if if the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour, they want to keep everything exactly the same as it's sitting today, all you got to do is move the tees up 15 yards. And everyone's still doing the same thing they're doing today. So I'm, I'm, I'm really sort of scratching my head. Like, what is all this gnashing of teeth about when if you change the tees and it's all relative, no one's really getting hurt here? Well, you, you go, I mean, still one of the, the most incredible courses on the PGA tour is still Harbor Town. And I think they figured out a way to stretch it back near 7,000. Thousand, but when I played it, it was like 66, 6700. But at Harbor Town, you know, the, the old saying is you got to walk single file down the fairways because the fairways are so narrow. The right. greens are about the greens are about twice the size of your car. And there's a reason that you never saw Phil and Tiger and others bombers, Bub, Bubba and those guys playing Harbor Town because you had to hit it dead straight. You know, and and I think that. I heard Johnny Miller say something 15 years ago. It was very interesting. He said, you, you want a tiger proof of golf course? He said, bring the fairways in, grow the rough up over your ankles, make the green hard as rocks and tuck the pin. And I also, uh, that same week, it was a week of the U.S. Open. They were interviewing Hank Haney because at the time Tiger was working with Hank and Hank, Hank made a statement that I never forgot. He said they keep tiger proof trying to tiger proof these golf courses and nobody realizes they're playing right into our hand. So if you're a long hitter and then make the courses longer, that's helping right. you and I out. Right. That makes you sense. You know, Joe average length on tour. Um, you know, he's getting he's getting pounded because he's hitting a utility wood in and you're hitting a nine iron. <laughs> and you know, I happen to be driving i had to go to athens today and i was driving back and i got to thinking out of the clear blue about i can't remember last time i heard zach zach johnson's name mentioned you know because he's considered short as heck now at whatever he hits it 285 
you know, it's, um, you know, if, if you're an average hitter on the PGA Tour today, come January 1, you know you've got six or eight tournaments that you've got to make hay in. And if you don't play good in those, you've got big problems because you ain't going to light it up on a 7,800-yard course if you're hitting it 290. Tim, before I let you go, I know our listeners are interested in keeping up to date with what you're doing. I know you're a wonderful instructor now. How can people get in touch with you and come get a lesson? Uh, they can call Harbor Club here at, at Lake Oconee, call a golf shop, uh, or uh, they can, good gracious, I forgot my dadgum uh, other email. Um, <laughs> I, 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 took, I took down my website during COVID, and it's like, you know what, I, I'm too old to be standing out here in 100-degree heat. But uh, I, th- I think it's uh, timbogolf 99 at gmail.com is is they can get in touch with me but uh i, I don't know just drive by the house and honk the window <laughs> i mean honk the horn excuse me honk the horn <laughs> uh, but it's so good catching up again and uh always enjoy doing your show and you're a true professional i appreciate you tim you're the best my friend i look forward to catching up with you hopefully real soon thank you so much chris all the best same to you tim Bye-bye. That is the great Tim Simpson, folks, and one of the all-time great ball strikers and one of the all-time great players, very underrated for uh, his career, but just one of the great individuals that I've had the the privilege of having as part of the show. He always makes the segment so much fun. I'm going to get down to see him this year and get a lesson or two because I need help. And uh, Tim Tim is just one of the, like I say, when you're one of the all-time great ball strikers, and Jack Nicholas says, you're one of the all-time great ball strikers. He's the guy you need to go see when you need help with the game. So I'm looking forward to catching up with him again soon. Okay, before I get to my next guest, Susie Whaley, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year. And I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player... I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX Full Face Wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show. And that's me and my golf. And they're offering 10% off their brand new range of training aids. I visited their booth and loved their breaking ball putting mat, which allows you to practice breaking putts at home on a traditional putting mat. I've got mine right here in my studio. They've just launched their own golf glove, and they're offering Next on the Tee listeners 10% off the whole range. Use code CHRIS10 for 10% off. That offer expires March 31st of this year. Check out their great array of training aids online at meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection, sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabric. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, 
Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part? You can head to Construct.com, and that's C-O-N-X-S-T-R-U-C-T.com, and use code CHRIS for 20% off the green collection today. Okay, now next on the tee with me is Susie Whaley. Let me remind you a little bit about Susie's background. She's from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. She played her college golf at the University of North Carolina, where she lettered all four years, and she helped the team to win several team titles, including two Duke Spring Invitationals. She graduated with her degree in economics. She played on the LPGA Tour for a few years in the early 90s. In 2003, she became the first woman to qualify to play in a PGA Tour event since Babe Diedrich Zaharias did it in 1945. She qualified by winning the Connecticut PGA Championship. She won just about every tournament there is to win in the state of Connecticut, including the Women's Open three times. She's competed in the USGA Senior Women's Open and the Senior PGA Championship. She's annually recognized as one of Golf Magazine's top 100 instructors, as well as a top 50 instructor by Golf Digest and the LPGA. She is a PGA Master Professional. She was recently the first female president of the PGA of America. Last summer, she was inducted into the Connecticut Golf Hall of Fame. She's doing an outstanding job now as a broadcaster. She's now the president of Golf Nation, which is an exciting new golf platform, which we'll talk about here in just a moment. And I couldn't be more honored to have her back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Susie, thanks for coming back on the show. How are you, Chris? I'm fantastic. You? I am great. I am in Augusta, Georgia at the Augusta National Women's Amateur, and uh, they tee off starting tomorrow. So really excited to be here. Yeah, and I'll be there on Saturday. I'm looking forward to the final the final round there at Augusta National. It's always, to me, it's, it's and I've been the last several years, it's a, it's a wonderful event. But I tell you what, uh, I walk away from that feeling bad about myself because these young ladies hit it so much further than I ever could. I watch them out there and I'm like, I, I, this is not good for my ego. <laughs> well, uh, you know, their prowess is undeniable and it's exciting to watch the best amateur female golfers in the world. Yes, it is. Uh, let's start, let's start our time by talking about golf nation. I had uh, Nick Buzzle on the show last fall. Happy birthday to him, by the way. Today's his birthday. Um, Let's talk about what's coming up. It's it's such an exciting new platform, and I love your show, by the way. We'll talk about that a little bit more as well. But it's very exciting what you guys are doing. Catch us up with what's going on at Golf Nation. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, Golf Nation, exciting platform. I've been with them about a year. We are a startup. We're golf entertainment where we have commerce involved in it. We are really just showcasing the community of the game. We're helping brands tell their stories through episodic uh seasonal content and it's really exciting we we are filming as we speak we have shows we did a really small sneak peek in december on the web we launch in a couple weeks on app and then we'll go to our brand partners and be on apple tv uh, and then hopefully q4 uh Hulu, roku and you'll be able to watch golf entertainment television stream it anywhere you want mobile device and we'll have a couple fast channels so uh, it's really exciting, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Let's talk about your show. And I watched the first episode. You had Zach <laughs> and Kim Johnson on. That was a lot of fun. Don't I Know You is the name of the show. Talk about that and when we can look forward to more episodes. 
Yes, we're filming more episodes as we speak. And don't I know you? It's just a fun spinoff, fun takeoff on, for those of us that are my age, the newlywed game, um, where we're just kind of interacting with people who are involved in the game in a fun and exciting way. Um, and I get to ask all the questions. So I am the host, <laughs> much like you, Chris. And, you know, that makes my whole day because we're going to have caddies together. We're going to have uh, spouses together, partners together. We're going to have a few people together that you wouldn't imagine would be together that we're going to ask some cool questions to um, just to give you a little inside access into their worlds and and humanize them a little bit. I think we see people uh, on television and on our mobile devices and they're not quite reachable. And we're hopeful that we bring them into your living room. We want to own the living room. We want you to be a part of it with us. Um, and we want you when you think about golf uh, beyond championship golf, we want you to tune into us. We want to be HGTV and want to be the Food Network for golf. There you go. That sounds like fun. Susie, let's switch gears a little bit. I know you, you heard the end of uh, when Tim Simpson was on the show. Obviously, the, the golf world is all abuzz right now about the possibility of rolling the golf ball back for the elite player. How do you feel about that idea? Yeah, I don't agree with him. <laughs> um. I, you know, for me, I, I enjoy, I'm into golf entertainment. I like to be entertained and, and I think the game is at its height. I think it's at the most popular it's ever been. And I think rolling uh, the golf ball back uh, is not in the best interest of, of the game. I, I think the fun part about the game is we're one of the few sports that gets to purchase and buy the equipment that the tour players use. And we get to feel part of the game like they are. I like to watch people bomb it. Um, I like to see, um, I like to see the LPGA bomb it. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I don't see every single golf course at 30 under par at this point. I certainly think the ball goes far enough where it is today. I would love to see a cap on it, but, um, I have no interest in, um, seeing the ball rolled back. I think that many courses have figured out a way to, make sure that those scores don't get out of control if that's what they're interested in. And I think if that's the case, we have ways to do it. We can agronomy wise, we can be a little bit more sustainable and not manicure everything. So perfectly we can bring fairways in. We can, we can do a lot to make um, the play more difficult for the players who, who do hit it far, but even more so than that, I think um, I'm not a, I'm not interested in penalizing people for elite performance. And I think if you have the capacity uh, to be able to hit a golf ball really far and you've worked at that and you're working with that underneath the current rules that stand, I'm not sure why we think about penalizing um, just because some people hit it farther than others. And so I, I don't like the rollback. I I hope it, it doesn't happen. So let's take that a half a step further. You talk about uh, doing things to the golf course, right? I mean, one of the things that Tim also talked about is, you know, could you narrow the fairways, grow up the rough, maybe you put some stuff, you know, in the fairways, 320, 330, 340 out there to make them think about it, kind of make it more of a risk reward kind of thing. So is that is that the way that you would like to see us go is, t- is talking more about how do we how do we make the, the golf course as it is today, not elongate it, but keep it as it is today and mess around with rough size and that sort of thing to kind of counteract the, you know, the the idea that the bombers are always going to win? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to do it in a sustainable in a sustainable way. I, I don't I, you know I don't advocate for just 
dumping more water on golf courses so that the rough grows longer, but maybe cutting cycles are different. Um, the bunkers are perfect uh, when I'm out on the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour. They certainly weren't perfect um, in, in 20, 30 years ago. Um, right now, you can get spectacular lives out of bunkers, and most, most players would prefer to be in a bunker um, than sometimes be around the greens in low-lying areas. So, you know, is there, is there a way that we don't manicure those as well for tour players? Is there the opportunity to make the fairways more dry? I think people sometimes uh, misunderstand that. If, well, then people will just hit it farther. Most of these old-time golf courses, if it's that dry, the ball for a long hitter is going to bound, uh, out of bounds. Uh, it's going to hit that hard turf and, and take off. And, and you see that happening in U.S. Opens. You see how they... They don't keep the golf course at, at perfect conditions and perfect height. I, I just think the consumers um, that watch TV are used to seeing very, very green surfaces. And perhaps there's opportunities in at certain events that choose to make it more difficult to score low um, to change the look of those surfaces. I also think there's tournaments that I find it great fun to watch people make a ton of birdies and eagles. And I want to go out after that and try to make eagles and birdies myself. So, you know, I, I'm all about the popularity of the game, getting more people to play the game and then making the fan experience exciting and fun. And I, you know, I applaud those that have the ability to hit it way farther than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so Susie, if, if the PGA and LPGA tours don't adopt the model local rule, we get to August and there's like, you know what? We talked to our players. We're not doing it. What happens then between the PGA Tour, the USGA, and the RNA? It seems like now all of a sudden we're going to have some hurt feelings and uh, some upset folks. How do, how do we go on if they decide we're not doing it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not in governance anymore, so I can't really speak for those associations. But I can tell you that those associations are collaborating in a way amongst many facets of the game closer than ever. So I, I don't imagine that that there will be any, you know, any kind of, um, there may be a lot of conversation, there may be a, a ton of meetings, but, you know, I'm here to tell you, if that becomes the case, I'm sure they will come up with an outcome that's advantageous for all involved. Now that we know that you're going to be at the Augusta National Women's Amateur, I'm hoping what that means is once we get to next week or the following week, we're going to get to hear you broadcast the Masters tournament. Is that the case? No, I'm not doing it this year. I'm sorry no? to say, Chris, but <laughs> that's disappointing. I am not. But, uh, well, well, I appreciate that very much. Um, but I am here this week and then um, we'll be at Masters the first part of the week. Um, have a couple events that I'm doing uh, next week, but I will be listening in and watching just like you. All right, so let me get your thoughts. When we look at the what I feel like is potentially a new era big three on the PGA Tour, we've seen Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy essentially back and forth with the world you know, number one ranking over the last several months. It's like one week it's one guy, and then the next week it's the next guy. So those three guys, do you like them to be at the top of the leaderboard come late Sunday afternoon, or do you think somebody else could sneak in? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can't count Scotty out, right? I, I had the opportunity to follow him closely last year and watch him play. He's obviously at the top of his game um, and just had an unbelievable performance there last year. But I certainly think that bodes well for him uh, coming into this year and the beginning of the season has been so incredibly strong. You know, I, I think of a Cameron Young um, maybe sneaking in there. You know, we all, anybody that's involved in golf and has watched the Masters year in and year out understands the, the nuances that they face uh, and the challenge they face. And you think about 11, 12, 13, that's what I always think comes to mind. And number nine just gives me fits. So <laughs> all those holes. Um, but but as, as, you, as you think about the golf uh, there, I think obviously incredibly difficult to defend. But, you know, I also like a Xander Shoffley um, at the Masters. Uh, certainly, I'm going to keep my eye on JT. His ball striking the last couple of weeks, inclusive as at Valspar, was undeniably top of the charts. He was second in ball striking, just really cold with the putter. And he's been hitting the golf ball tremendously well uh, the last few weeks. So I- I'm just not going to count out uh, a JT because if he can get the putter going, um, Again, I just believe that his ball striking is at a place where he will be very hard to beat if that putter is hot. All right, so let me live vicariously through you. You say nine gives you fits. What's it been like for you when you played Augusta National? (laughs) Well, you know, I said that as if I played a lot, so let me retract. I have not played there a lot. (laughs) Let's just be clear. But the few times I have been honored to be invited to play there, Number nine is this hole where you can, it just opens up. You finally get a chance to hit a great drive. You find the fairway most often on number nine. And then the second shot is dead up slope. So, you know, people who haven't been there or have only seen it on TV, it's hard to describe the slope at Augusta National, but there is quite a bit of undulation there. And number nine happens to be a very steep second shot. And if you land anywhere on the first quarter of that green um, or short, you, you're all done. That ball is coming right down to your feet. So I have spent a lot of time at the right down at your feet area. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, number nine is not my favorite. I actually, you know, I get nervous even just watching it on television when people are playing it. You know, (laughs) hate those butterflies in your stomach and you're like, oh, no, here's that shot. So um, there will be a day I hope I get to play again and I can conquer number nine. What's it like standing on the tee at 12? You know, standing at the tree at 12, anybody that's studied the game, we all know we're supposed to hit it left of the bunker, yes. center of that front left green, right? That's just standard. Like, you get up there, it's not a long hole. You're like, what? this is not a big deal. It's kind of like going to the players, right? You're like, this is not a big deal. It's 100 X yards. And inevitably, your brain just goes on complete, like, zero. And you aim literally you think you're aimed where you're supposed to be aimed and then you bail out the ball starts careening over the bunker and then you watch it go into the water or the other time you play you're like well that's not going to happen again and you blow it over the back side of the green and make double from there so number 12 is also incredibly um it, it gives you it gives you fits when you think about it at night <laughs> yeah so i mean and that's a great point because one of the things that i always find i don't know incredible i scratch my head and the final round on Sunday, that pin is on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. And guys still try to go at that pin. I mean, I don't think they try to. I really don't, Chris. I, I, I think that everybody knows, right? Everybody knows. 
I just think there's something about it that feels so short that I don't, I can't speak for any of them. I can only speak for me, but mid swing, you're like, wait a minute, I can do this. And then you completely <laughs> tank. You completely tank. And I remember sitting on, I was on the 14th fairway when I could only hear the crowd when Jordan hit golf balls into that water. None of us really knew what was occurring, but you could hear this moan from the crowd repeatedly. And, you know, when you're standing on that 12th tee, if you've been there and heard that, you, you, that unfortunately, that's the tape that plays in your head. You know, so yeah. I'm doing a very good job of telling people that I have mental strength when I play golf, but I'm here to tell you that Augusta just makes it all go away. Is that right? Wow. It's just a hard golf course. And I think the aura of Augusta National, the fact, the history, um, you know, you're taking all that in as you're playing. And, and that is certainly an honor to, to have played it. But it, it matters because you're trying so hard to perform well. And I think sometimes you can just get in your own way there. Shortly after the Masters, we have the first major on the LPGA Tour at the Chevron Championship, a $5.1 million purse this year. Jennifer Cupcho is a defending champion. A couple other of the top U.S. women in Jessica Corder and Lexi Thompson both played really well last year in the tournament. Are you going to be there? And if so, what what are you expecting to see? You know, I'm not going to be there, unfortunately, but it's a new venue for them. So I'm excited to to watch and to watch to see the play. Jennifer Cupcho played collegiately, not on the, my daughter's same team, but oftentimes same pairing. She played for Wake and my daughter played for UNC. So, you know, Jennifer's just such a strong player, long ball hitter, very composed. Um, doesn't let her emotions get to her on the golf course. Very even keeled. Um, so I would look for her to play well. Jin Young Ko, of course, uh, always in it. And then Nellie Korda has to be a favorite. She's just such a long and strong ball striker. Um, so excited to watch. Just a couple more before I let you go, Susie. And, and I had the, the privilege of spending a few moments with you at the PGA Merchandise Show. Now that we're a few months north of that, uh, your reaction to what it was like this year? You know, the golf show was incredible this year. I, I really wasn't sure how it would be because manufacturers, golf is on such an uptick and, and, and in a great way and an exciting way. But I wasn't sure that people would actually come to the show because everybody was doing so well. Um, but the show was better attended than it's been in years. It was unbelievable to be able to network and see friends in person. Um, to be able to do business in person, to share what's going on in my world, and then to hear about what's going on in other professionals' worlds. You know, that's why we're golf professionals. We love to network. We love to be with people. We love the energy around the game, the passion around the game. So being a part of the golf show, if you're not at the golf show and you love golf, uh, you're missing out. You mentioned your, your daughter, Kelly, a moment ago. Give us an update. How's she doing? Kelly's doing great. She's still trying. She's going to work her way, I hope, someday onto that LPGA tour. But man, the competition is so deep now in women's golf and exciting to watch. The, they're just such strong players. She's played on the Epson. She's played on the LET a little bit. She'll play some WAP tour events, trying to get ready, uh, rolling into this fall uh, when tour school comes back around. So she's working really hard and um, we're always supportive of her and, and hope that she gets there. Susie, I'm partnering with the LPGA Legends Tour to help promote their events and those great legends out there. I know you've played in a couple of those events. Are we going to see you out there this year? Yeah, of course you're going to see me out there this year, but I hate that you call me a legend. 
<laughs> that's like calling us old. But at the end of the day, um, it, I, you know, it's so much fun. In fact, I ran into Pat Hurst today and uh, Pat Hurst was here at Augusta National at the Women's Am. And it was really fun to chat with her and see what she's going to end up playing. And I think I'll probably see her at the BJ's Championship, which is one of the Legends events. So, um, yeah, it's just it's fun to be around uh, the women who literally were legends when I was playing on the LPGA Tour. And Julie Angster still plays and Annika was my partner a couple of years ago at an event. So um, it's pretty cool. And, you know, I certainly hope it, it gets more fans and sees more success. So thank you so much for helping them promote that. Uh, many of these women are the reason I have the career I do. And it, many are the reason that the LPGA Tour is so successful today. Susie, before I let you go, remind our listeners again how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's following you on Golf Nation, online, or on social media. Yeah, head out to golfnation.com. Take a look at our sneak Our app is coming out in about two weeks. So check us out there, too. And then you can find me pretty much anywhere at Susie Whaley. So Insta. LinkedIn, Twitter, um, just be nice. Don't be a hater. Just be nice. <laughs> I love golf, and, and I might, I might comment and write you back. There you go, Susie. Always a huge thrill to have you as part of this show. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you sometime soon. Yeah, pleasure, Chris. Thanks for everything you do for golf. Really appreciate it. Take care, Susie. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. You bet. Bye bye. See you, Susie. That's the great Susie Whaley, folks. It doesn't get better than that. She's a tremendous personality, a tremendous person, a tremendous player, and uh, becoming a really great broadcaster. I'm really disappointed that she's not going to be a part of the Masters broadcast this year. I enjoyed I enjoyed listening to her a couple of weeks ago as part of the broadcast. I enjoyed listening to her last year at Augusta National. Uh, just one of the great people that we have in our game, and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to catch up with her sometime soon. Before I get to my next guest, Frank Nabilo, I want to remind you about Two Under, men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NEXT20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. That's the number 2, U-N-D-R.com. 2under, performance in your pants. And you walk a lot of miles in life and on the course, so make sure you're walking in the right shoes. Scony changes the game with an affordable line of the most comfortable, versatile, slip-on golf shoes that can be worn anywhere. They're made with breathable microfiber fabric, spikeless treads, and an adjustable lace lock. And they're easy to clean, too, so spend less time changing shoes and more time living in them. Visit scony.com and use code NXTONT20, so next on T20, at checkout for 20% off. That's scony.com, S-K-O-N-I.com, they're also available at golf specialty retailers and green grass pro shops nationwide. All right. Now back and next on the tee with me is former PGA Tour Pro and now another one of the great broadcasters we have in our game, and that's Frank Nabilo. Let me remind you a little bit about Frank's background. He's from Auckland, New Zealand, 
At the age of 18, Frank won the New Zealand Amateur Championship, becoming the second youngest player to ever win that title. He turned pro in 1979. His first professional win came at the 1982 New South Wales PGA Championship. He won the New Zealand PGA Championship twice in 1985 and 87, joined the European Tour in 1985, and got his first win on that tour at the 88 PLM Open. Frank won 14 times around the world, including two Saracen World Opens and the 1997 Greater Greensboro Chrysler Classic here on the PGA Tour. He was a member of the International President's Cup team three times. In the mid-90s, Frank recorded top 10 finishes in all four majors. He joined the Golf Channel back in 2004 and was a lead analyst for their PGA Tour coverage, plus their in-studio shows Golf Central and Live From. He's now a fantastic analyst for CBS Sports, and I'm honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Frank, how are you? Great, thanks, uh, Chris. Susie Whaley, what a tough act to follow. So um, <laughs> I, I love her, right? Yeah, don't be a hater, but um, her energy is just absolutely infectious. But, yeah, great to chat to you, Chris. I appreciate it, Frank. So I, I got to imagine right about now you're starting preparation for the Masters. How do you go about doing that every year? Uh, I panic. Is normally the, the first thing you do. No, you, you, you do. It's one of those events that uh, I think the easiest way to put it is you overthink um, because you get excited. It, it's, it was great to play in the Masters first and foremost. But the next best thing, I, and I promise you I'm not lying, is to cover because you realize that when you're part of a team, and I think we're an extremely good team, and you get up there and everybody's prepared, um, and we're led by Stella Shine now, and, and, and obviously the lead man is – as Jim Nance. So, so it's just, you, you get better by osmosis, but you know, we've been on these sort of, uh, Twitter, ch- not Twitter change, text chain, uh, for the last month or so. So since the West Coast swing, which ex- went extremely well, not just the golf, but also our coverage and some of the things we try to do, everybody's kept, kept, um, you know, the, the sort of kept company and, and just sort of say, Hey, what do you, you know, what's going on? If somebody sees something new in the, uh, in the news, they forwarded on. So already at the moment, uh, the biggest thing is trying to get Kirk Kiriyama's name right more than anything because you know, he's starting <laughs> to play really well. And and there's been about I don't know ten or twelve iterations of his name. So we want to get that button down. But no, it's great. So you you know you get excited. Um, I get all my yardage books together, and, and I just look forward to it. Frank, I had the, the the privilege of talking to Michael Collins, the comedian and former tour caddy, now a broadcaster and analyst for ESPN, and Sirius XM. I talked to him yesterday and asked him, I said, what's it feel like to be at Augusta National and on those grounds? And he said, it's like church on Easter Sunday, Christmas <laughs> Eve and Christmas Day all rolled into one versus every other Sunday. And I thought that was a pretty interesting take. Does it feel kind of like that for you when you get on the property? Yeah, it, it is. You know, when you get invited to a function and you see and it goes, you know, what's what's the attire? And you see black tie. Right. And you go, oh, I don't know if I really want to get dressed up. Right. But you, you make the effort, put the shoes on. They're all nicely polished. You get your best suit out. And then you go there and everybody was a saying that we say is dressed to the nines. And you realize you're part of something that everybody has made an effort. So I think, you know, Michael's, uh, his opinion of, of what it's like is great. I guess it is like church. Not everybody goes to church. I used to not as much these days, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's like going to a function. Number one, you're happy to get the invite. And then, like I said, when you get dressed up and ready to go, you, re- you realize it's special because everybody makes the effort that week. Players, announcers, I know we say patrons that week, 
uh, you know, the green stuff. I don't care if it rains, hails, or shine, because each different type of weather brings a different type of masters. And sometimes it is the, def the definition of who actually wins that year. Frank, I want to get your thoughts on what we can expect to see now that some of the live players are going to be back as part of the tournament. I, I have to wonder what it might be like at the champions dinner Tuesday night when you've got a lot of the former champions that have been over on live now back in there. And then when it comes time to play and they get announced on the first tee, do you think it's going to be weird, different? How do you think that's going to go? Yeah, well, it can't be normal. Uh, you know, I think it's crazy to think that it's going to be normal. Uh, I think they'll try and sort of bury the hatchet a little bit and you know, put to the side it. Uh, Nick Valdo was in town about a month ago, so we were just chatting about that when he was here. Uh, spoken to Trevor Emmerman, who's the lead analyst now, who's, who's taken over from from Nick. Both of those uh, two will actually be at the Champions Dinner. And you'd like to think out of respect for the champion, Scotty Scheffler, that everybody will make an effort to be cordial. But there, uh, you know, there were, a line was drawn. So I know when I've been to dinners and, and you know, you've had a beef with someone, it's it's not comfortable. And, and invariably, someone's going to spill the beans and say something. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, that will be the spice before the first tee shot is set in earnest on Thursday. But it will add to it. This will be a unique one. I remember the COVID Masters where Dustin Johnson won, the November Masters. And it was so different because the fact that there was no one there to watch it. So we, we had to do the broadcast differently. This, once again, will be a first. And we'll try and get it right. Uh, each player deserves to be there, whether you like the tool they play on or not. And so when they tee off the first, you know, they're, they're, they have a chance like and a dream like everybody else to win the Masters for the first time, the second time, whatever the case may be for them. And the same thing will be on, on Sunday for the lucky ones that do have a chance to do that. So they deserve the respect of everybody there. And, and I think hopefully we can just put a little bit to, to be a, a, to the side. But I think for the viewer, it's going to create that energy that they know that there's going to be something. So it will, you know, it's like a fight, you know, like a boxing fight. If it, if it has to be well sold, then you really do need, like Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali used to do, you have to need the fight promoted. It's this Masters, it promoted itself. You have, um, you have, we are going to have the best field assembled all year. End of story. And, and I think that alone um, means it's got us going. I know because we're going to try and do the best broadcast we can. What do you think the fan reception is going to be like out on the golf course? I mean, Phil's been a fan favorite forever. Do you think he gets any less love? Do you think the other players, do they get jeered? Do they get cheered? What do you think it's going to be like out there during the course of the tournament? I think you're going to get both, uh, you know, Chris, but, but you're right. You know, in some respects, you know, I've seen the two sides to Phil. I think the last time we chatted, we talked about that. You know, that was before Liv. Um, you know, Phil's all of those things. but. As a golfer, you know, he's done some amazing things. So this is still a, a you know, one of, one of the premier events in the world. Some say it's the one to win, uh, you know, for Hideki Matsuyama to be, to be the first male winner of the Masters. It's huge. And that forever and a day, that's special in this country. You know, Phil to, to you know, as what Mike Weir did, you know, left-handers and Bubba Watson, there's two left-handers that are obviously they're going to be from Liv. I mean, what they did was special. So there'll be some people that will take the, it'll take them down memory lane. What they were like, maybe they they took up golf that year when when either Barbara or Phil uh, won won their first Masters. Um, for some people, they don't like the decision they made just over twelve months ago. So it is going to be a mixed bag. But but in the end, you know, sporting events, um, you need a bit of a grudge match. We're going to get that. 
And, and I think normally what that does, that brings a, a, a better form of golf. I, I think you're going to have people on both sides of the fence there that are going to push really, really hard. And hopefully that extracts some amazing golf. And then golf wins. I want golf to win. I want that to be the story. So, Frank, what are your thoughts about the, the elongation of 13 and the extra 35 yards that they move the tee back? Do you think it's going to impact the player's ability to make eagles and make a charge on Sunday? Yeah, it will, it will and it should. Um, I remember as a kid growing up, um, you know, the 75 Masters, I've, I've said it a lot, it's the Masters that I'll always remember. Jack Nicholas, Tom Weiskopf, and Johnny Miller, they're the three people that really got me into golf, just watching them. And seeing players like that have to make the decision. I remember Curtis coming to 13, flipping the cap when he hit the water. I know Curtis won't, won't want me to bring that up again, but that's what you want to see. You want to see come Sunday, Saturday, when somebody's making a move, when they stand in the fairway, and it's not just a wedge or a nine-iron or an eight-iron like it's been for some of the players, that it's going to be, you know, as Scotty Scheffler said, he's got to hit three-wood because you can't draw the draw the drive around the corner. So he's going to have somewhere in the vicinity of, you know, 220 yards. So for him, it's four or five-iron. And that's a decision because the lie, the ball always tends to sit a little tighter at Augusta. Uh, invariably, you're not going to get a flat lie, and you're going to look at that. The tributary that runs across the front of 13 runs on an angle. And, and then you're going to look at where the, where the hole's cut that week, where that flag sticks up. And then it's going to be a decision. And it's going to cost someone the Masters. And, and that's a proper par five. And, and sadly, it had been slowly taken away. Augusta thought long and hard. And I know they wanted the USJ and the RNA to act. Um, and, you know, a, a lot's happened over the last 15 or 20 years. But to find another 35 yards, that was great. But it involved buying some some land from Augusta Country Club, but it's going to make the hole more the way it should be. And I think the fan at home and the patron on property is going to love to see the best players in the world have to hit a club other than a short iron into that hole. Uh, I think it's going to, it's going to, it's the one shot I'm looking forward to this year, the second shot there. Yeah. And I couldn't agree with that more. So let's talk about the ball issue. Everyone's all abuzz about this thing. Was it the right thing to do or is it the wrong thing to do? I think it's the right thing. Sadly, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, I, th- I think if you, if you actually went inside the manufacturers, warehouses and saw all the R- R&D, you'd realize there's so much been at play over the last 25, 30 years. Um, I don't know where you start, but you know, the USGA, the RNA, I think that'd be the first to admit they've let this slide. The problem is golf's been the loser. And, and now, you know, we live in an era where we can't. We can't discuss anything. Normally, you know, you look at politics, right? You're on one side or the other. There's nothing in the middle anymore. And sadly, in politics, most people would agree if there was a party that represented that bit in the middle. And I think if you really talk to people about golf and sat them down and said, look, you know, it's not like you're going to go up 50 yards. I've talked to the USGA and I think for the recreational player, um, with what they're proposing in 2026, it's like five yards. But if five yards keeps golf, keeps golf, um, Maybe a little more affordable. Um, it means that you know your golf course doesn't have to be lengthened anymore. You know, like at least it, it really is a definitive line in the sand. But you know the metal wood. You know if if you really double down and look at equipment. When I was a kid, Chris, and I know I could probably talk browse on this, but I I bought my equipment on the brand. What my favorite player used, or someone I looked up to. You know, my first set of golf clubs were Patty Berg Wilson. Wilson was a great brand. I didn't buy them because they went five yards further or 10 yards further. The same with a golf ball. You know, I bought, I bought a Titleist because that's what I thought everybody else was using when I was a kid when I could finally use the big ball. 
And then sadly, it's all changed to where, you know, we buy performance. And golf is a game of skill, but we've sold performance for a long period of time now. So I applaud what they're trying to do. I know it's going to make a lot of people unhappy, but I love the game too much. I think it's a great game for everybody, male or female, kid or old. And, and I just really think we are going down a street um, if something's not done that has a dead end on the end of it. So I know people think it's fun right now, but, you know, it's it's fun driving at 100 miles an hour too, but that car's going to come off the road sometime. Yeah. So let's let's talk about, you mentioned the word skill. And I had Hal Sutton on the show a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that Hal said, when you guys played, hitting the ball straight meant something. You guys were playing the ballada balls and that sort of thing. Those things spun, you know, way out of control if you, if you, you know, didn't hit it perfectly square. So the, the premium on driving straight seems to be lost. And then the skill of, of golf, it shouldn't just be all about bombing. You gotta, you guys, I mean, you guys had to curve it around, you know, a dog leg. You had to hit it high over a tree. You had to, Kind of feather it in, you know, from, from, you know, different points on the fairway. It, it, there was a skill in being able to make the ball do what you needed it to do versus just bombing it. You know, we hear the term bomb, the phrase bomb and gouge, but mm-hmm. being able to hit other irons in your bag and hit those long irons, like you mentioned on 13 now. I mean, that was all part of the game. That was part of the skill of the game. I feel like we've lost that. Yeah, yeah, we have, uh, if we're going to be brutally honest. You look at baseball, right? If it was just about hitting home runs all the time, I think people would get bored. You know, it, but you just got to hit a bigger home run. So there's so many different facets to it. Look at basketball now, too. You know, the fadeaway two-point is gone, really, because, you know, analytics have got involved and they realize that, I was reading about it the other day, you know, if you make, for example, like 60%, you know, your shots inside the key there, that you average, you know, 1.2 points every shot. Um, and then if you shoot a fadeaway, you make less than 50, 50%. So therefore you only make one point a shot. And so therefore you should shoot three pointers because if you shoot 40%, then it's 1.2 again. So, you know, we've, we've changed the way in which we played games uh, and sports. So, so when you look at golf, you're right. Um, but one thing I will, I will disagree a little bit just with Hal is that the long hitters always had the advantage and they should. If you're long and straight, you should always be rewarded. But I think to Hell's point, if you were crooked, you were punished because of the size of the driver now and also the golf courses. I know people want more rough. That doesn't, that doesn't make any difference. Bunkers are already in the rough. So, you know, so what do you want to do? Have, have no design characteristics whatsoever on a golf course? Just have 25 yard wide fairways and everything rough. And I mean, you're taking the beauty out of the game. And someone said, you should bring trees in. Well, you know, you, yeah, if, if a tree, if a course is too wooded and tree lined, Grass doesn't grow properly. It needs sunlight. You get more diseases. So there's a lot of things from an agronomy, agronomy point of view you've got to do. So then the playing of the game, you know, there's 14 clubs that you put in a bag. And, and I remember when I came out, I remember seeing like Jack Nicholas at one arm, even Sam Sneed actually. And it was a thing of beauty. And then they invented the utility club, which I think is phenomenal for the recreational player. It's great. But it also helped the elite player because if you weren't a good long arm player, you put a utility club in. Um, if you weren't a good wedge player, well, you put a lob wedge in there. You know, there's so many, so many things that are good for golf, but really change the way in which the elite player plays. And I think, you know, the, the, the final straw really that nearly broke the camel's back was when they, well, we've doubled the size of the driver. The wooden driver was equivalent to about 190 cc's. They're using a, you know, 460 cc drivers, twice the size. So it's a frying pan. 
And so that, that doesn't punish the myth. There's, you should be allowed to hit the ball a long way. But if the best player is errant, then, then he should be, have trouble finding that golf ball. And I, and I think everybody finds its own level. The best player should be the longest player, but they should have to be damn good. And, and at the moment, you know, we are getting a little bit of a stereotypical game. Um, and it's a shame because I don't blame the players either because they're doing the best they can with the equipment they're using and they're doing a really good job of it. But if you make them play a, a slightly different way, they're, they're that good. They can do it. Will Zelatoris, I think played last year somewhere in Dallas, grabbed a, a wooden woods set of old irons and a blot of ball or the equivalent of, and he broke part. So these guys can do it. We're just not making them or not allowing them to do it. You mentioned the size of the club head. Is that something you think they should be looking into as well, reducing the side of the driver club head? Well, I think that's where if you could have an honest conversation, which I know is hard to do these days, with, with the equipment manufacturer, they know that how – they know how they got their equipment to pass tests because, you know, they, they, the USGA and the RNA has admitted that they tested at much lower ball speed, sorry, uh, club head speed. And consequently, you know, as long as the ball went a certain speed off the club, it passed. But what about when you swung it faster? Um, they knew how to get past those tests. And, and so really you need someone that's either retired from that industry to really help and, and tell us the truth is what's gone on. But, You've only got to look back. I, I think a, a, a statistician on the tour, sorry, statistician uh, called Lou Stagner, 1980, um, there wasn't a single player on the PGA Tour that averaged uh, more than 275 yards. Now in uh, 2020 or 2022, last year, there wasn't a single, play, single player that was under 275 yards. So something changed. We know that. You should evolve, but not that much. Um, always going to be short of this. But if you could do, you know, at least make the driver bring the COR down a little bit, I uh, would, you know, I think you still want to help the amateur player. Um, but they've done it in other sports, tennis, you know, baseball, um, you know, when they found out people caught bats, all sorts of things. So, so there is a way. Um, but I, th- I think you need, you need proper discussion. You actually do need people to tell the truth on what's been happening, how they've managed to create equipment that, that's really blown past, um, and, and, and really helped the elite player because it hasn't really helped the average. 20, 25 handicapper or, or you know, 18 handicapper, or even single digit handicapper. It hasn't given them a lot of an advantage, but put it in the hands of a really good player. It's given them a massive advantage. Frank, one more before I let you go. And I got to go back to the masters, get your pick. I, I know we're, we're kind of at a, at a place where I feel like we're getting into a new era, big three with, with Scotty Scheffler and Rory McElroy and uh, John Rahm. It feels like those guys have essentially traded the world number one ranking back and forth so far this year. Do you think those three are the guys at the top of the leaderboard on Sunday, or do you like someone else? Yeah, that's obviously, you know, if you're a bookie, that's what you're going to look at. But I love the way you said new era, because if you went back to every every era of Augusta, uh, because Augusta is a known quantity and, and people know the golf course so well, especially the star players, they normally have an advantage. But, you know, look when Spieth won. Um, for an example, you know, I could see like a, a new Jordan speak. Now, I don't know who that is. You know, even someone like Tagala, I know he's yet to win, but, but I could also see if we're given inclement conditions, a bit like when Mike Weir won back in 2003 and he won it with a wedge, really laying up on the par fives. You know, I, I could see like a Victor Hovland or, you know, even a Terrell Hatton, um, you know, Tony Finau getting his first majors. I know that's, I mean, they're still world class players. You know, Will Zelatoris, everybody talks about the fact that he can't putt and all that, which isn't true. 
I mean, he's finished second there. So, you know, you have so many guys. We're going to look at the logical guys at the top of the leader, top of the world rankings or, or top of the FedEx Cup. But, um, they, they're going to take all the media requests. They're going to, they're going to be in that interview every single day, single day. But, you know, if you go through the list of winners over the years, there's always the year or two. So I'm actually looking for the guy, you know, who's the, who's that guy that, I don't know, 25th, 30th in the world, that, that sort of level. Um, that could, you know, that could turn around and, and just have, have a great week. Cause we've got a lot of players. You know, that could be a Cameron Young too. Cameron Young. Um, he's already been second in two major championships and, and he's played well enough. I don't know. He lost in the final just the other day. And some people say they got beat convincingly six and five, but you know, he beat Scotty Scheffler and, uh, you know, he, he was very, very close in the open championship last year. So, you know, don't sleep on one of those guys just because they're not the logical. You know, first round pick and that because Augusta has a habit of all of a sudden giving you a new champion and a new star. Cam was uh, Susie's pick, by the way, too, as as a as a guy that would emerge. So you guys are on yeah. the same page. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, I think that's I, honestly, I think it's good because you you normally look. Someone has to be informed because Augusta does that for you. It's such a pressure cooker. Greens are quick. You know, you see your name on the leaderboard. Uh, it, it's a different feel. Um, but, but, you know, Cam hits the ball beautifully. I love the fact that his natural shot's right to left. So a lot of the big holes there, holes like 13, the key. Uh, you know, Jack Nicholas used to say there's only six shots really that you've got to hit well around Augusta. I thought it was more than that, but it's like the tee shot, you know, the tee shot at two, um, cause you've got to work it around the corner. There is a little creek down there, even though you don't see it. You know, the, the second into 11, tee at 12, second into 13 and, uh, second into 15. He said, you know, apart from that, he said, this is his words, not mine. The course, course sort of comes to you. But when you look at it, they are the key shots that you have to hit. And the winners over the years, that's where they've come up, you know, they've come up trumps. So, you know, for a younger guy, um, you need a bit of length. The, the course is wide enough. It gives you the chance. You need to have nerve. There's some guys there that are, they know they're good enough. And so why not? One of them, a good friend of mine used to say, someone's going to wake up feeling good on Sunday. And it might not be a household name. Frank, before I let you go, remind our listeners again how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you on social media. Well, I'm not I'm not as active as a lot of people, but yeah, just Frank underscore uh, Novolo or at Frank underscore Novolo. Oh, but you know, if they send me a send me a question, I'll certainly answer it. But yeah, you'll see I'm doing uh, eleven Thursday Fridays in that golf channel, which is good. There, that's where I cut my teeth. But um, that's CBS weeks. But yeah, I'll be doing every CBS event and uh, and looking forward to it. You know, we've uh, we've got a great bunch. Uh, they're rejuvenated, but you know we're trying to do the best job for the fan at home. We really are. So, and you're, and you're doing a great yeah. job of it. So I, I appreciate. Hey, so are you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that, Frank. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. I'm going to look forward to listening to your call on the Masters next week, and uh, looking forward, hopefully, getting the privilege of having you back on the show again soon. No, it's a pleasure to be on the 19th off. Thanks, Chris. Take care. See you, Frank. That's a great Frank Nabilo, folks. And I tell you what, I, I encourage all of you to go back and look up Frank and look at his Wikipedia page and look at his, his playing career. It was outstanding. And then now as an, as an announcer, I think Frank is one of the all time greats. I think we're going to be putting him in the broadcast hall of fame before he's done. And he's just an outstanding individual on top of all of that. I look forward to having Frank back on the show again soon. Okay, before I get to my next guest, Bart Romano, 
I want to remind you about our friends over at Adele Golf. Power and precision. Adele Golf's SMS and SMS Pro irons offer the ultimate in iron adjustability. Featuring the revolutionary swing match weighting technology, precisely dial in each iron to your swing by moving the heaviest weight to its optimal position for maximum performance. Learn more about them by going to adelgolf.com. And folks, do you sway in your off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried Squares? Try the new Speed Bolt at Squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com. Looking for the ultimate Myrtle Beach golf experience? Well, it's only a click away. Check out the two-play special at two of America's most awarded public golf courses, Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and True Blue Golf Club. They are low country masterpieces featuring two iconic Mike Strands designs. Play these two incredible courses for one great price. Visit CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com to learn more about the two-play special and book your tee time today. Again, that's CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com. Okay, now next on the tee with me is Bart Romano. Bart is the Director of Golf Operations at True Blue Golf Club and Caledonia Golf and Fish Club. They're new partners with me on the show this year. And both courses were named one of the top 100 courses you can play by Golf Magazine, Golf Week, and Golf Digest. Golf Magazine also named it the best public golf course in South Carolina. Golf Week also says it's one of America's best modern courses as well. And my buddies and I, we're going to be headed up there for our annual golf trip this year in early June. Prior to being the director of golf there, Bart was the head golf pro at River's Edge Golf Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. And prior to that, he was the assistant golf pro at Hershey Mill Golf Club up in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And I'm excited to have him with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Bart, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you for having me. I got to tell you, it's, it might be tough following Susie Whaley and Frank Nobla, but I appreciate the opportunity just to say. <laughs> I appreciate you being here. So, Bart, for our listeners who aren't familiar with True Blue and Caledonia Golf and Fish Club, talk about the great amenities. I tell you what, I've watched all the videos for both golf courses. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, we have two very special and very different properties. Uh, Mike Strantz designed Caledonia. was actually his first solo project in 1994. And then followed that up in 1998 by building True Blue Golf Club. Um, you know, both courses are very unique, especially to the area. But, uh, you know, Caledonia is more of a three line, kind of an American style golf course. And like it's, you see the Mike Strands signatures within the golf course, but you also see a lot of his, he, he worked for Tom Fazio prior. And you, you see a lot of that in Caledonia, uh, where True Blue is uh, more of a link style golf course, you know, larger fairways, with a, you know, a lot of waste areas, large greens. So pin, pin, pin placements make it a lot, make it a very uh, a challenge for sure. Um, yeah, but both places are absolutely unique to the area. And like I said, completely different 
And a lot of people don't realize that it is the same designer, but you know, they're, they're a lot of fun to play. The golf courses are the kind of golf course where you can play every day. Uh, you know, you're hitting every club in the bag. It plays differently every day, depending on the, you know, the weather, wind direction, uh, where the tees are set up, pin placements. And you know, there's a lot of holes, especially at True Blue, where it's even a par three. One day it could be an eight iron to a front pin. If it's a back pin, it's a five iron. So it's you know, a lot of that. And it's, you know, say both golf courses are a lot of fun to play. And, uh, you know, Caledonia's property is just, I tell people there's some things you can't make. And 300 year old oak trees lining the driveway is kind of one of them. And, and Bart, True Blue, I've heard compared to Pinehurst number two and Pine Valley with the link style and very similar kind of layouts. Did, did those comparisons seem right? You know, they, they're definitely, I know Mike you know, drew inspiration from those properties uh, from Pinehurst, the area, you know, the Sand Hills and Pine Valley up in the Sand Barrens in New Jersey. You know, there's, there's a lot of sand waste area in that Lynx style golf course. So instead of the long fescue, True Blue basically has like sandy areas and kind of like waste areas uh, that you can play from just fine. It's basically sand. And they throw a little bit of water in there too, to, you know, keep you on your toes. But, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you, you can definitely see that influence, especially around the green complexes. When I look at those videos, both courses, I mean, they're, they're some of the most picturesque golf courses that I've seen anywhere in the world with not just with the golf courses themselves, but the surrounding beauty. You talk about the trees and then some of the flowering plants and that sort of thing. It's just absolutely stunning for how beautiful everything else on top of the golf course is. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, quite honestly, that's why, you know, Caledonia is one of, if not the most popular golf course in the Myrtle Beach area. I, I liken it to playing golf in a garden. And I've probably, probably said that a million times. Uh, but especially this time of year, because the, you know, the azaleas are in full bloom and they are everywhere on that property. Uh, lots of oak trees on the property, Spanish moss. Uh, you know, our landscaping crew does an amazing job uh, with the flowers and the colors on the golf course. You know, it keeps it fresh all year, even when the azaleas aren't in bloom. But this time of year is really special, especially leading up to the Masters. Uh, it gets everybody excited. And it's, you know, it gets everybody excited to start the spring golf season. You mentioned the live oaks, and they line the driveway up to the clubhouse of Caledonia. It's reminiscent to me of what it must be like to drive up Magnolia Lane. It's a pretty grand way of arriving at the golf club. It really is, and it's I hate to admit it. You know, it's one of those things when I'm driving in there, I 100% take it for granted. And I know everyone else does not because it, it truly is awesome. And, you know, if you get the chance to come down to Myrtle Beach, which obviously you will, here in a few months, you'll get to see it, and it, it is it is spectacular. And so I, w- I wish I'd pay a little more attention, kind of smell the roses, if you will. But it uh, yeah, it is totally spectacular. Bart Finn Scooters has been one of my partners for years. While my friend Paul Brandland was there, you offer those plus solo carts. Talk about having those available for the players and what they do to add more fun and improve the pace of play. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, Caledonia was one of the first adopters of the fin scooters uh, in the country and for sure on the East Coast. Um, it's been a, an amazing 
addition to our golf experience. Uh, True Blue, we have the Finn scooters as well, and we have the solo carts at True Blue. Um, it's, it's just a different way to play golf. And, and quite frankly, you know, you know, golf was kind of stagnant for a long, long time. You know, it was, you know, here's your golf cart, you know, here's your key, here's the range balls, have at it. Uh, but, you know, when people, especially in a resort destination, people are, they can do that anywhere. They can do that at home. It's, it's awesome to be able to offer something as fun as, you know, a solo cart or a fin scooter to somebody and have them go out there. Because quite frankly, once you ride on one of those, you don't want to play golf any other way. I mean, it, it truly adds to the excitement and the experience of playing True Blue or Caledonia. And, you know, quite frankly, it just makes it more fun. And I mean, that, that's why everyone's coming you know, to play our golf courses. Yeah, I hope no one's coming down. It's like, I want to get out there. I want to play in three and a half hours. And like, that's their goal. You know, the, the, the idea of our, our properties and what we try to instill in our team and the pro shop staff and the bag drop and, you know, all the way through the, our program is we're here to have fun. If we're having fun, you know, the, our guests are having fun. And the fin scooters and solo cars are just another way to do that. And it, it's, it's been a hit. And, uh, you know, we're actually looking to possibly add a few more going into 2024. Bart, I was talking to Charlie Reimer, and he was telling me how the two courses there are two of his favorites there at Myrtle Beach. And I know he's done some videos around the golf course. What's it like having Charlie around? Like, please, yeah, please don't believe anything he says, first of all. <laughs> you know, Charlie's a great guy. I've actually got to spend a lot of time with him since he's moved in the area. Uh, he actually, you know, probably lives 15 minutes away from the, from the courses. So, you know, we, we see him frequently and, uh, you know, he comes out, uh, you know, he's done his golf show on site from True Blue in Caledonia. He's shot in different segments there and, you know, he'll, he'll actually come out and play with, you know, with some family or friends that are in town. So, uh, he's a character, you know, he'll keep you on your toes and, uh, it, you know, he's a lot of fun. Every time we come out, you know, we, you know, we joke around, have a good time. But uh, it's great having him in the area. He's he's a heck of an ambassador for Myrtle Beach, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. But I, I love the fact that you guys offer five sets of tees that aren't the, the traditional colors that were used to. I know you have blue and white over there, true blue, but you have several other colors. And then you have different names for them at Caledonia, which is unique. So there's lots of different options and distances that people get to play from, which I think is outstanding. Talk about that and making the game more fun that way. No, uh, um, yeah, thank you for that. Is a few years back, you know, uh, pre-COVID, uh, 2016, you know, we were looking at our scorecard, and uh, for whatever reason, if you've ever noticed, and most people don't pay any attention to it, but the championship tees are 100% at the top all the time, all the way down to the four tees, which are at the bottom. So at True Blue, we decided to flip the script on that. Our shortest tees are at the top. Championship tees are at the bottom. And if nothing else, we just want to get people to look at that scorecard, not pick the second tee from the back, and just go peg it. And it's been successful. You know, it, it throws people off because they're looking at it like, you know, like, you know, 4,900 yards. What? What? So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's good for them to see that. And then they're like, oh, okay, it's in reverse order. Um, you know, we changed the colors at that time as well. Red, the red tee is the dumbest stigma in all of golf. And uh, I, I hope 
we're trying, everyone's trying to get rid of that. And because quite frankly, as soon as we painted those bad boys green, we had some, you know, senior men up there playing those teams that, that should have been playing there for a couple of years, but didn't because they were red. Right. With the stigma that the red tees are the ladies team. Right. That's just not the case. The tees are, you know, for your ability or your indoor driving distance and to have a good time. If that's where you're going to have the most fun, have at it. It makes no sense to come out there and torture yourself for however long at 18 holes. And it, it's never made much sense to me, but um, we've actually added a few tees at true blue over the last few years uh, to basically you know, mix that up. Cause for whatever reason, true blue has a stigma of it's a, a kind of a difficult golf course, but while it's visually intimidating, it really is not necessarily a difficult golf course, especially if you're playing the right tee. And uh, we try to give people a bunch of options. You mentioned sand, and I noticed you got a fair amount of sand out there. I'm not a fan of sand. It's not the better part of my game. Is there a model local rule I can invoke there, particularly on 3, 9, and 17 at Caledonia and 7, 9, 11, and 14 at True Blue? I need a little help. Hey, what can I do? You run in there ahead of your group. Grab it and chuck it out. Uh, that, There's got to be some model that. local rule you can give me. Yeah, you won't find that on the scorecard, but I'm not telling anybody. <laughs> um, you know, uh, at both properties, uh, True Blue and Caledonia, we play the sand areas as general area. So you can ground your club, take practice swings, move loose impediments. Um, I like that. Yeah, That's good. Yeah. So yeah, it gives you it, it gives you some options. Because you know, a lot of these sand areas, you're actually driving carts through. So, you know, they're not meant to be pristine, white, fluffy bunkers. You know, it's true. It's it's true waste area where, you know, we play it as by the letter of the law as general area. Um, or, or ba- and basically the local rule with, you know, our membership and you know, people that are there uh, playing recreationally. You know, we give them relief from embedded balls as well. Back to the USGA in our golf week, you know, any given Tuesday collegiate event this week, they do not get that luxury. <laughs> but they can still, again, take practice swings, move loose impediments, but they do not get relief from embedded ball. But yeah, that, that's been a, a, a big thing because it, it takes some of the confusion out of it because clearly, you know, these are, don't look like typical. Yeah, you know, typical bunkering on a on a, another golf course, but so you know, kind of let everybody know we actually have you know GPS and that kind of that rule in particular will flash up whether you start on the first or the tenth hole, just to let people know, hey, you know these are waste areas, play the general area, take practice swings, move loose impediments, and then you know have at it. The other thing that's unique about a lot of the the uh, waste areas. And, and, the, and the bunkers around the green is they sort of fade off into the water. Like the water comes right up to the edge of the sand. That's different. Yeah. It makes marking the golf course extremely difficult. Let me tell you that. Uh, is you're painting on a water line that may be a foot higher the next day if it rains overnight. Right. Um, so that is something that's it's very different. Uh, I've seen it with a few of Strance's courses in a couple instances. Uh, that is really the only designer I've actually seen do it. I'm sure he is not the only one, but um, it typically when there's a bunker that's you know that runs into the water, 
that ball's probably not staying in the bunk. <laughs> so you might be getting your feet wet, but it's a, it's, a, it's a unique it's a unique feature to the golf course, and uh, you know one we have a lot of fun with. Is especially on days where it rains and that water level gets up a little bit, and you know it's uh, it can wreak havoc. You guys have a lot of great videos, some of them from Charlie and some of the instructors that you have there on site on your YouTube channel. I'm going to be watching those a bunch over the next couple of months. But you you've go. got some really great stuff. Talk about what's available on your YouTube channel. You know, uh, we partner with the Steve Dresser Golf Academy, which is on our property at True Blue. And uh, those guys do a, a fabulous job. I mean, excellent. They uh, you know, win top 50 range. They have you know, top 50 instructors in the state. Uh, top 100 in the country. It's you know, they do an awesome job. They run golf schools, clinics, juniors. You know, you name it. You know, they have it. And, uh, you have a bunch of fitting days from multiple you know, club companies. So it's 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 a great amenity to have on on the property. And uh, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. You know, we uh, they keep it you know laid back, not stuffy, and you know we appreciate that. And then you know we follow suit. You know, in the clubhouses at both golf courses as well. Mark, you guys have a lot of different golf packages available all throughout the year. Talk about some of the special things that you guys do month after month and uh, give people a lot of great value for a lot of great golf. No, absolutely. Yeah, we have uh, our our in-house golf vacation company, Caledonia Golf Vacations. Uh, if you visit TrueBlueGolf.com or you visit CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com, there's also links that'll tie you into CaledoniaVacations.com. Uh, so it's kind of a one-stop shop. You can book tee times right on the website directly. Or if you're looking for a stay-and-play package, it'll have a, a list of all the specials. And, you know, we have a like a November to Remember and Sizzling Summer deals. You know, there's not a time of the year where we don't have some kind of great special package going out uh, you know, to our to our guests and via the website and social media. So we try to stay on top of that as much as possible. And it's, I mean, it's been a great avenue, you know, to really reach out and touch guests and, you know, you know, get their input and kind of service that guest in a different way than, you know, typical golf course with just someone checking in at the counter. So that's, you know, that's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, always keep your eye out that, you know, we send out email blasts with specials and you know, to, to all of our database. And that's, it's a great way to stay in contact. And uh, we're very active in social media on on all three on all three avenues uh, through Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, you know that's that, that keeps us busy. But it's uh, it's a great way to kind of you know get our our brand out there in front of people. And Bart, tell tell everybody how can they find you on all of those social media platforms? Is it just as simple as at Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and at True Blue Golf Club? How can they find you? Oh, absolutely. On, uh, on Facebook, you know, we're under True Blue Golf Club and Caledonia Golf and Fish Club. Uh, on Instagram, we have one moniker is, you know, Caledonia True Blue Golf. And th that ties in feeds from basically both golf courses. Um, you know, at Caledonia Golf and Fish Club, Twitter at True Blue Golf Club. And, you know, that's very active. Always pushing stuff, and uh, there's kind of new content going out, whether it's videos, you know, staff you know, highlights where we're talking about the new product that came in. It, it could literally be anything. Me not crashing thin scooters. A lot of that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, 
Yeah, we stay active. <laughs> uh, you know, we have an awesome following, and uh, it's kind of growing. Uh, we hosted a barstool event, you know, the kickoff for barstool uh, a few weeks back, and uh, that has been tremendous. And uh, you know, those guys love the property. It was a super fun event, and uh, you know, we look forward to having more events like that. So that's uh, at the end of the day, you know, you check us out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and yeah, you, know, you, you see what True Blue and Caledonia are kind of all about. Well, Bart, it's been great having you as part of the show tonight. I hope we get the privilege of uh, having you back on the show again soon to keep us up to date with all the great things that are going on there. And I promise you, we are excited and can't wait to get up there in June. No, absolutely. We're looking forward for your uh, forward to your arrival, and I can't thank you enough for having me on here again. I, again, following Navalo and Susie Whaley is a is a tough act, but. I appreciate the opportunity and you have me on tonight, my man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You did a great job of a batting cleanup tonight. So I thank you for being here. And like I say, I look forward to seeing you real soon. Absolutely, Chris. Take care, sir. You too. Thanks, Bart. That is Bart Romano. Again, Caledonia Golf and Fish Club plus True Blue Golf Club. Folks, I highly encourage you to go out and take a look at both websites and take a look at both of these golf courses. Absolutely unbelievable for what you're going to see. I mean, the, the pictures, the videos, the, the golf course itself and the layout and the design and the water and the, and the waste areas and the bunkers around and the undulations of the green and everything, the aesthetics all around it. This is the total package for both of these golf courses. It's no wonder. They're in the top 100 you can play. I can't wait to get on property and, and see it for myself and get out there. When I was talking to Charlie Reimer, he said, these courses are two of my favorites out on Myrtle Beach. And when you go and watch the videos, you're going to understand why. And I absolutely cannot wait to see it for myself. Folks, before I close up shop tonight, you've heard me talk about some great products that I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show. And another one that stood out to me is On Point Golf. Game-changing, three-dimensional ball markers that science shows will help us see the line better when we're putting and therefore make more putts and lower our scores. See for yourself why Jim Furyk and I are big fans by going online to onpointgolf.us. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again tonight. To Tim Simpson, Susie Whaley, Frank Nabilo, and Bart Romano for being a part of the show. Scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, will be back, as will former PGA Tour pro Donnie Hammond. LPGA Hall of Famer Jane Blaylock will be here, as will the host of the Pro Show on ESPN Radio 920 up in New Jersey, Keith Stewart. Keith always makes this segment so much fun. Looking forward to having him back as part of the show. Folks, you can find the show available as a podcast just about anywhere you can get your podcasting content. In particular, you can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audioboom, Player.fm, and Good Pods. My thanks to them for making this show one of their recommended podcasts. Please go on the App Store and download their free app and stream your favorite podcast right there on your smartphone. Most of all, my thanks to all of you for being the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.